Filmmaker Commentary, episode 196. Welcome to Filmmaker Commentary, where we cover movies with commentaries from directors who take the time to record them on Blu-ray and DVDs. We also give our detailed insights, so look out for spoilers. We discuss the latest in showbiz news along with movies and TV shows that we've been watching. So join Reginald Titus Jr. That's me. And Casey G. Smith. That's me. Every week here on Filmmaker Commentary. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Filmmaker Commentary. I'm Reginald Titus Jr. I'm joined with... Casey G. Smith. Welcome back, sir. Good to be back, sir. And today, we're talking about Harlem Nights, 1989, written and directed by Eddie Murphy. Yes, sir. And this is during the month of Black History, so, you know, we're reaching out to a few films here and there for representation. Um... We better say no. You're good. You're good. Uh, what was the uh, the budget and the box office for this film? So Harlem Nights, on an estimated budget of thirty million dollars, grossed uh, worldwide sixty million eight hundred sixty four thousand eight hundred and seventy dollars. Wow, that's worldwide. Nineteen eighty nine. Yikes! That was not a blockbuster. No. Um, what film? What what was Eddie Murphy coming off of? Was he coming off of coming to America, going into Harlem Nights? Probably, I, I'm probably coming America was probably eighty eight. Um, yeah. I, I I expected it to be a little bit more, but also too probably I'll look through the credits again. But knowing that this is an Eddie Murphy production, maybe it was just a situation where it was like, let's try this thing out, and I'll worry about the money. Don't you don't you guys worry about it. So juxtaposed <laughs> to coming to America, what year was that? Nineteen eighty-eight. Okay, which on a thirty million dollar budget, grossed worldwide two hundred eighty-nine million. Whoa! Off a budget of how much? Thirty million. Dang, thirty so million. Same, same budget, but oh my, two hundred eighty-nine million minus the explosions and period piece. Keep this on a couple blocks. Keep it together. But also, I wonder, um, budget-wise, with the cast, mm-hmm. with Richard Pryor, mm-hmm. Red Fox, Arsenio Hall, he's a you know, brief cameo. Yeah. But you had, uh, well, I mean, you have James Earl Jones coming to America, and Arsenio was in that, too. Mm-hmm. But not as many names. I feel like that Harlan Mines had more Yes. Names. At least now, like more better known names, like you know, Rob Robin Harris. Yes. Been there too. Definitely had more names from comedy mm-hmm. uh, in Harlem Nights. And but names in the scent Richard Pryor is probably like the only one that's like a star, if I was Red Fox. Yeah, you got a point. Yeah, Red yeah, Fox. Yeah, three, yeah, three generations of some of the greatest comedians. Yeah, ever. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Yeah, you're right. You know, like um, I don't, I can't recall. He was a TV star, but as and far Arsenio Hall had his show at this point too. Yeah, uh, but I'm just talking like from a strictly movie standpoint. Like whose face is on the cover? Like box office draw. Yeah, yeah. Eddie, Eddie, okay. and Richard Pryor, which yeah. in and of itself should be a, like a pretty big deal. It should. It should be. Um, oh, you know, kind of makes you like wonder, like, what's what? I don't know what the sentiment was. Did they say? Did they mention anything, or oh, was anything? Did you find anything that was mentioned at the time? I did find something that 
was was interesting and almost it's similar to like but the five heartbeats mm -hmm. like when the five heartbeats was released in one of the theaters there was a shooting oh same thing happened with harlem nights mm -hmm. when it was released in, in in detroit at one of the theaters there was a shooting where i think i think two people were, were killed yeah. and that theater became the first theater in america to actually install metal detectors Dang. in the theater itself so I don't know if that impacted marketing. I don't know if that impacted the I do find that the interesting of the film. I do find that interesting because like when you have other movies that have come out in probably the same neighborhoods and they're in war theaters with the ratio of like kind of knife violence, gun violence or whatever kind of violence it is. Does that cease to exist just because now we're looking at another movie or is it that the studios tend to put more money in those and we're not going to let that bad press affect us? That's a great question. So from the theatrical run, it, it came out Friday, November 17th of 1989. And it looks like it ended its run on Sunday, January 7th, 1990. So mm -hmm. we're talking just, just about two months in the theater. Let's get them try to juxtapose that with. That's wild. Um, coming to America, coming to America, July 1st, 1988. I do. July, August. No, it's still the same. About the same amount of time. About thirteen. About two months. Hmm. One, one of the Week, major thirteen weeks. No, it's only eight weeks for coming to America. Thirteen weeks for no. Thirteen weeks for coming to America. Only, uh -huh. only eight weeks in the theaters for Harlem Nights. Interesting. I wonder what the issue was there. I noticed with um, the d similarities between this film and Heartbeat is it's more like it's kind of in. Feels like it's, well, Heartbreeze was kind of independent. Yeah, it was independent, wasn't it? No, it was Hollywood Shuffle. It felt like it was more independent, <laughs> the way that uh, Robert Townsend was approaching everything. Um, and I wonder how the actual deal went. I don't remember. Did he mention, like, did Robert Townsend mention how his deal went? I know when he did Hollywood Shuffle, his deal, he fronted all the costs. And then when it came All time, credit cards. Yeah, uh, he had sixty thousand savings, and then he had credit cards. And then when it came time to do the, what did his brother get sixty thousand dollars? Oh well, he was doing commercials. He was doing commercials. Uh, he was just stacking his bread. Yeah, he, okay. Uh, New York always just always hustling. So uh, with that extra money saved, you know, put it on Hollywood Shuffle, and then another fifty or sixty thousand on on credit cards. But he had no money towards the end, so. Um, Silverstein Gwen, what's the name of that company that Hollywood Shuffle was on I wanted to say it was the same for Heartbeats but um, they wrote the check to him for whatever that amount was so it was like he did he put all the front costs but then end up selling it to the distributor mm. studio slash distributor okay um, situation with this one was uh, Eddie Murphy probably got the check before production and because as you notice, it's an Eddie Murphy production, right? And so he has a lot of jobs. He's doing, kind of doing a lot. I'll hint to like the joke in that. But did it once they knew it wasn't a blockbuster? Did it really matter? One of the things that I did find out in watching some, I wa found a couple of videos just to find some, you know, more details yeah. about the production that Eddie Murphy had a after forty eight hours and trading places mm -hmm. like. Those those films did so well that Eddie got a five picture deal. He had a contract for a uh, five picture deal with Paramount. With Paramount, okay. And this is five. Ooh. Yeah, this is one of the one of those films. Really? Yeah. 
and 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 that that he would have control of being able to, you know, be under Eddie Murphy Productions. And so this this also was his directorial debut, right? As well, absolutely. Which you know, I'm, one I, don't, and only. I don't want to give you all the trivia. I don't have that much trivia. <laughs> one and only directed film, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, There's a reason for that too. Yeah, and so like that, I think that was. Oh, we'll see how this goes then. You know, um, I wonder if it would have been different if he would have maintained control of the film. And I, I think he still. Well, we'll, yeah, we'll get into we'll dive into this. All right, all right. Well, you know, we're trying to like figure out why because some things just don't make sense when you're like when your last film was literally what two three hundred million dollars box office hundred million. Well, how much was it? <laughs> um, to go down to sixty, it's like two hundred. Uh, to go down to sixty. Two hundred eighty-nine million off of thirty, but 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 also, I mean, we we can see mm-hmm. coming to America is a is a is a cultural icon of a film. It's one of the, it's one of the greatest films ever made. Yeah, it you you mean so it's five heartbeats. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that's, a, that's a shame, it's a shame. But people quote coming to America all the time. It it constantly plays on TNT, TBS, and yeah. it's like it's like never stopped. It's this one too. Hmm. And, and you know, we can talk about the business part of it. Well, we'll come back to it. We'll come back and talk about business and things all like right, that. All right, all right. But I would agree with you, you know. Uh, but that was the bigger film. Come to America was the bigger film. And to be fair, it was PG-13. Was it PG-13? Or was it rated R? It's rated R. It's rated R? Oh. Yeah. Bathers. Huh? The Bathers. Oh, yeah. Dang. And the, and the F-bombs, too. Wow. You, only, you only get two F-bombs in PG-13. I don't know why I thought it was PG-13. Because you've been seeing it maybe on, on cable TV. No. And they said they'll, 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 the, P, the cable TV version is, is going to be PG-13. I don't know why I thought it was PG-13. Whoops. any rate, um, um, that, that, those, those PG-13 films came later in Eddie's career. <laughs> <laughs> this is a money grab. This is a money grab. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So anyhow, um, it just makes you think about it. Maybe it just had more international appeal. Maybe people just like the movie better. You know, who knows? There's a, there's a lot of intricacies there. Uh, but anyhow, before we talk further about Harlem Nights, let's talk about TV news and movies. Watched. So in the news, according to Variety. What the Bob Marley movie's triumph over Madam Webb signals about a shifting box office. Not too long ago, it would have been considered a box office suicide mission to pit <laughs> any new release against a superhero movie. But this weekend's showdown of Sony's comic book adaptation, Madam Webb versus Paramount's music biopic, Bob Marley, One Love, demonstrate that's no longer the case. Superhero tentpoles no longer hold all the power. Mm. One Love, a PG-13 drama that's aimed at the older female audiences, uh, towered over the newest Marvel-adjacent flick, earned $52 million over the extended holiday weekend. Suspense thriller Madam Web, a Spider-Man spinoff starring Dakota Johnson as a paramedic with psychic abilities, generated a paltry $26 million over the same six-day period. It cost $80 million, so it will have to it will have a tough time turning a profit in its theatrical run since theater owners get to keep roughly half of the ticket sales. Oh, wow. But mm-hmm. Madam Web has been getting just horrible reviews. Really? Up to, yeah, I didn't even know really about bad. Madam Web, but the name alone, I'm like, what? 
And, and I just Googled it right now on my phone. I'm just like, I, I didn't hear about Because my son, nobody told me about, you know. It, it Usually was, they're on top of superhero movies. Well, Madam Web is is a, a Spider-Man, Spider-Universe adjacent character that it, her her biggest claim to fame would be from the Spider-Man animated series of the 90s. There's mm. a, a, in, in kind of his last, I want to say like the last season, she appears quite a bit. And she's this ethereal lady that kind of comes into Spider-Man's life and she brings him to this dimension and tells him kind of, oh, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, kind of almost telling his his future. Mm. But this film has no, doesn't have Spider-Man in it, no no cameo, no no Tom Holland, no oh. no Tobey Maguire, no Andrew Garfield, there's no Spider-Man in it. You But you're dealing with several other spider female characters like uh, Julia Carpenter, Spider-Woman, I think Anya, I forget her last name, Spider-Woman, and then there's, a, I think, another Spider-Woman that's also, so there's like three of them. But, yeah. I, uh, I didn't even hear about it. This wasn't even on my radar. I saw the trailers for it a couple times at the theaters. Yeah. And I wanted to give it a shot, but, man, I was the early reviews coming out were just so bad from sources that I trust. And I was like, oh, man, I'm not, I'm not not excited to yeah see it and i don't i don't think I, I don't think i need to see it i don't think it doesn't it doesn't connect to the mcu proper oh. and again spider-man's not in it at all and, uh, yeah so i just i don't know i don't i don't have a desire to see it dang yeah yeah man uh is it to me uh yeah i'll be honest it feels like a propaganda film like just you know trying to check the boxes for hollywood i get it um, well, Sony's been trying to build their "quote unquote" Spider Verse. You know, they 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 did Morbius, which is eh. they have got they have they have they have, they have cra- like they're Morbius. Tr- they're trying to you know they got Craven coming out. What is that? Uh, Craven the Hunter. That's one of Spidey's main villains. I think we need to get back to making movies. We need to quit. Just make. Why? Why are they doing this? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but they're, they're trying to do it though without Spider-Man. Then that's the, that's the, the, the thing that oh, it's like God. so weird. Like, okay, if you're going to build Spider-Man themed movies, he needs to make a cameo in these things. Well, more than a cameo, he needs to be a part of these. So films. this lady that's in the Madam web joint, she doesn't have any, she doesn't shoot web or anything. She's not, she got any powers. She's more like a precog, like psychic. She has psychic powers. Oh, that's kind of like, like it's like, like a web of, <laughs> I don't want to say deceit, but it's like a, it's, it's a web. Of, oh, oh no! A web of reality. Oh no, no, ma'am. I, <laughs> I know because even even in the trailer, she's she's seeing precognitions of things that are going to happen in the future. No, and, and one of the characters actually like punches her, or hits her. And it's like, oh, she didn't see that coming. Oh, this is bad. Yeah. Um, I just assumed from the title madam well so oh, it's a woman that has spider powers she's not a fighter oh. madam madam Webb's not a fighter no wonder they shouldn't even call us even even in the cartoon she's just in a she's in a this like web chair and she has these anyway but yeah she was she's older wow. in the cartoon but they, they make her mm-hmm. younger in this but yeah yeah oh, sorry yeah. about that y'all uh i tried yeah <laughs> uh what else is in the news <laughs> <laughs> that, that that was it. That was that it for was the it. news. What you been watching, Reginald? Um, so um, I did have I did watch a trailer. We was talking about trailers a second ago. Um, the only trailer that I remember that I recall is a film called Roadhouse. Ah. You remember Road Roadhouse? The what Patrick Swayze back in the day? Dalton, and uh, his name is Dalton. <laughs> Patrick Swayze played that role. Road Roadhouse. Yes, sir. That was the 80s as 80s can get. Man, absolutely. So our new hero 
uh, new actor that's going to be playing um, Dalton is uh, Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal. So I was like, oh, man, I see the opening. First off, I'm skeptical. Uh, I'm like... No, no, not another remake. That's what I'm telling myself. Can't escape him. Yeah, I can't. I was like, not another one. We got to do something else. Just change the title. Do something else. And we see it, and we see Jake Gyllenhaal's outside confronting like three or four guys outside. And the guys start, he he decides to slap all four of the guys. And it's cool the way that, how it comes off. It's like, oh, I was like, Jake got some skills for real. And with his old, with his other films, like South Paul and some other things, like he's acquired some of these fighting skills. But it's you can see it on scene, on, on screen. Like, mm. wow, this is this is interesting um go i don't know after watching the trailer uh who's who's the ufc fighter well-known ufc fighter from ireland um conor mcgregor he makes it he's a villain that's right and i'm just like okay you know these days it seems like the roadhouse thing isn't really a thing just because it's so much like gun violence and, and, people, and people who can really fight as well you yeah. never know when you're going up against an actual uc <laughs> ufc fighter yeah it It'd just seems like for to get away just to slap people around like i got skills too it was like i got a gun pow oh we're done <laughs> so i don't know you know um i probably will watch it when it releases a stream unless somebody watches and they say this is actually really good from when i hear there's some drama around that about its release i think from the director uh-huh. that like they originally wanted it released in theaters and something happened and it's, it's being released on streaming but not everybody's happy about that oh yeah. okay i've seen some headlines interesting uh from a trailer standpoint i've watched a couple of trailers okay one of which is one called damsel mm-hmm Starring one Millie Bobby Brown of Stranger Things fame. Okay, she's back. Basic, Heard some things about her. Basic premise of a, a a young a young lady, a young maiden. Yeah, getting prepared for her big wedding day. She's a she's a princess oh. betrothed to a prince okay. of, a, of, a, of, a, of another land, and oh. so she's making her preparations, making her way, and she's being led into these caverns as part of some ritual. Oh. And as she's standing there, he's like, stay right there. And all of a sudden, he pushes her off this ledge. Oh. And she plummets into this pit and has to, she's being sacrificed in essence. Oh. And has to then make her way, fight her way, scrap her way out of it. And she's she's not just a damsel in distress, but she's, she's, she's fighting mad. Dang. What is this called again? Damsel. Damsel. But on, it's going to be. Damsel. <laughs> Going to be streaming on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that was one that I saw. Yeah, uh, in two weeks. Mm. It's lonely at the top. <laughs> <laughs> the other trailer that I saw was for an animated series. Okay. That's a classic from the 90s. Okay. Making a comeback. <laughs> Everyone's favorite Merry Mutants. Come on. X-Men 97. <laughs> Yes, sir. So this was a, I knew this had been in development for years now. Yeah. It was announced at uh, Disney's D23 a couple of years back, and they, yeah. they showed a couple of images. or this, this maybe They showed the logo and some of the characters. And then slowly information's been leaking out, and some of the cons, some people had seen some footage. Mm-hmm. And the, the first wave of action figures had, had come out, and they've already announced the second wave. But finally, the trailer dropped March 20th. Okay. Disney Plus. Okay. The first season of X-Men 97. This picks up directly where the original X-Men animated series left off, which ended in 96. Uh Picks up directly where it left off, and we are off and running. So we've got 
some of the original voice actors returning, reprising their roles. Cal Dodd as Wolverine. Zorna, I forget her last name, but she's reprising her role as Rogue. But yeah, this is... The trailer look, looks good, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of homages to things from, from the comics in the 90s. Like, there's a, a scene where they show up at the end of the trailer, and everybody's kind of dressed in, in shorts. Initially, I thought, okay, maybe they're coming from, like, sleeping. But I'm like, no. I saw, I saw a still. I'm like, oh, no, they're coming from playing sports. They're playing basketball. There's a specific issue, X-Men number four from the Jim Lee run, where you've got, you've got a basketball game taking place between uh, Gambit and Jubilee versus... Wolverine and Rogue mm-hmm. and playing basketball and they're like no no powers nobody can use powers interesting but Gambit is just like knocking shots down boom boom and finally Rogue gets mad as she flies up and grabs the ball out of the air she goes well, one of Gambit's mutant abilities is natural agility how do we know he's not using it she throws the ball back at Gambit ah. and uh, anyway it's just interesting but, the, but, they're, but they're dressed in the clothes that they wore in that I had that issue as a kid. And Boom. They're, they're dressed in that gear. Gambit has the backwards hat on. Wolverine just has some gray shorts on. Jubilee has her holster top on and her shades. And Rogue, yeah. Rogue's always layered. She has to cover, keep that skin covered. She's got this. I'm like, yo. But it's got more of the team involved. But it was a four. It was a two on two. Now it's like we got more people in the mix. Rogue. Who didn't like Rogue? Come on. Man. But so <laughs> so there's, there's, there's a little bit of. So some of these character designs have been slightly changed. Oh, like Like how? <laughs> so rogue, tell. rogue rogue is looking uh let's I say less voluptuous than she did in the 90s and some people are some people are ticked off so oh so she's not as curvy as she was in no the, oh they got rid of her oh. some people are like they're like where somebody where was like go? where are the cakes <laughs> where are the cakes like oh man dang rogue they done did rogue dirty yeah so some people are they drink bring those drawings back mm. So we, we shall see. We shall see. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, Who didn't I'm, like Rogue, though? You know? Oh, man, Rogue was... She was a superstar. And again, the lady who voiced her, mm-hmm. just the the way... She's, you know, almost all the cast was Canadian. Uh-huh. But the way she brought in the, the Southern accent and just the sass. Yeah. Yeah, man. It, X-Men and Gap. I mean, it's... it's yeah, this show was, was so seminal. And what most people may not know is that the actual original X-Men movies that we got by Brian Singer, he didn't grow up reading the comics he grew up watching the TV show. That was like his his foundation with the, the X Men TV show. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's one of the trailers. And speaking of mutants, oh. the other trailer that I watched that I'm sure many of you saw was for Deadpool three. That's right. Bringing back one Ryan Reynolds, making I his debut. I watched that trailer. Making his debut in the MCU. Dang. His uh. I gotta watch that trailer again. Oh yeah, that was a, that was a wild trailer. But there's some some crazy things going on. I, it, uh, oh, because he goes through the portal that yeah. we see in Loki. A little TVA action going yeah. on. Because if we remember, spoiler alert, at the end of Loki, no, at the end of Deadpool two, he takes uh, cable stuff and he goes he goes back in time and he's traveling through time and he. <laughs> He shoots himself. As, he shoots. He shoots Ryan Reynolds in air quotes. He shoots Ryan Reynolds as he's looking at the Green Lantern script. I was like, what? <laughs> oh man! But they, now they've they've uh, they've come to 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 reckon. I got to. We got to go back and check out their Deadpool. Yes, sir. But it, it looks it looks interesting. There, this mm-hmm. this film is going to have a lot of multiversal aspects aspects to it. We're going to see a lot of cameos from a lot of characters across different Marvel and Fox franchises. So they're, they're going to be some pretty interesting cameos 
Okay. In Deadpool 3. And of course, Hugh Jackman reprising his role as Wolverine. Let's go. Which is so appropriate because him and Ryan Reynolds have had this, you know, joking relationship for years. They troll each other and now they finally get to work together. And plus, Deadpool was always, he was always making cracks on Wolverine in his other films. Uh, That's right. So yeah, it's cool to see them actually come together. That's right, bub. That's right. Interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I'll watch that in the theater. You're going to go first, and then... Of course. <laughs> and then you're going to report, and then I'm going to go watch it. I, dude, Deadpool, I don't think you can go wrong with that. This is... Uh, I asked. Yeah, went to the theater on all of them. Yeah. Yeah, we, we went Deadpool 2, you, me, I think Dub, or was you, me, and Jason? I know you, you went to one of the Deadpool movies. It was, it was, I want to say, I think it was the second one. Yeah. Yeah. I remember being in the theater for both of them. So yes, sir, can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. Entertaining, but that was it for trailers. Uh, what you been watching, man? Anything new? So yeah, I watched Oppenheimer on Peacock. Do tell. It was long. <laughs> it was I anticipated that it's three hours. Christopher Nolan does not play. No, three hours. But the interesting topic and subject of I. I so I was interested in the uh, atomic bomb, uh-huh. and it's 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 well acted, it's well written. Cillian Murphy, I think it could have been uh, thirty minutes shorter. Yes, I do, I do think so. But the performances are stellar. It's beautifully shot. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Cillian Murphy, mm-hmm. uh, Mrs. Krasinski. I'm blanking on her first name. John's wife. Emily Blunt. She doesn't go back to Shitsky. I was like, that wasn't that, why isn't that click? Emily Blunt is great. They're 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 a, oh, this is a star studded cast. There okay. are there are people I'm like, what? Hey, they're in there. They're in there. It's I'm like what so I don't want to give it all away, but it's kinda okay. cool to see you're watching all of a sudden somebody comes in like, oh that's so and so. It's got a it has a lot of big name actors, even in small parts, just showing up as different historical figures as you as you learn about the the life and what's going on with one would uh, you, Oppenheimer. Would you recommend it? Who would you recommend it to? If you're a fan of Christopher Nolan films, then you know it's going to be a little heavy at times. You're going to get into the weeds on the, on the science of this stuff. But this is an actual historical figure in person, which kind of gives it a different spin. Mm-hmm. And it pertains to I mean, such a big thing. Again, the development of the atomic bomb. And that the weight of that carries throughout the film and what that means. Mm. Yeah, what does it mean to, to, to create the weapon that not only could <laughs> end a kill, war, you could kill everybody. <laughs> exactly, it could not only end a war, but it could it could end all life Power on on kill. on humanity. So from from that standpoint alone, I, I think it's worthwhile checking out. But yeah, it, it was a it was it was a long one, but it was it was good, and it, and okay. it's 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 worth checking out to the to the end. There's some some kind of drama mixed in there, and and again, it's somebody's life, so they've got all kinds of twists and turns. Is it explosive? <laughs> At times, it is. Okay. Um, what have I watched? Um, last time I watched the Super Bowl because we had recorded right before the Super Bowl, our lab when we recorded the five heartbeats, right? We yes, were just sir. right. So that day we ended up watching the Super Bowl. That was kind of it was a story. It felt like um it was um from the halftime show on to the fourth quarter, it felt um it was interesting. Like it wasn't boring. Chiefs are a, a second half team. That's yeah. that's again, I don't even watch that football, but I remember I was like, okay, these guys are a second half team, and it's it's crazy. They second half it starts, it's like, oh, 
Uh, yeah, okay. I, this is what I thought would happen. But it's so interesting. It's like, okay, why can't the Niners do what they did in the first half? It, it's, it's, it's interesting. We have coaches make adjustment during it's the second half. Written. Hmm. So, <laughs> but at once, once, once it got towards the end, and they were going into into overtime. I was like, "No, nah, I'm done. I, I'll, I'll, I'll wake up in the morning and find out who won." But I was, Dang, I was, I was, done. I was done at that point. I was yeah. like, eh, we'll see." Yeah. And I, I and, and again, the Niners had the ball and they were watching down. But I was oh, like, nah, I'm, I'm good. I'm watching this. I'm thinking they're going to go to overtime too. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, "Man, this was." I mean, they go overtime, but I'm just saying. It, it, it was um it was great to watch. I was surprised. I was like, yeah, that was entertaining. I was I was surprised in the morning to see that the that the Chiefs had pulled it off. I was like, I was rooting for them. I did not want I did not want San Francisco to win. I don't want them having that credit, you know, that bragging rights with the Cowboys. As far as oh you know, yeah, like we don't need them to win. It's personal. It's personal. <laughs> <laughs> but today it's personal. Mm. I love the, the Deion Sanders speech. Uh, um, and yeah, halftime was good. Ushered and skates Usher. and doing his thing. And Alicia Keys came on. So overall. I was like, oh, Alicia. Yeah. I was like, okay. Um, so yeah, so watch the Super Bowl. Live entertainment. Yes, sir. Um, I watched a couple other things. Are we going back and forth or? Go for it. Um, and then just recently watched the. Um, so I, I was at a gig waiting in between <laughs> doing another job, and the NBA All Star a weekend was this past weekend, mm. and I ended up watching uh, the NBA three pointer contest because now the NBA like All Star weekend isn't what it used to be. Oh, I used to be the jam. That'd be Dude, mm. I mean, the dunk contest from even the game was like. They were actually competitive. Now it's just a three-point. They're just like trying to just jack up as many shots as they can. Uh, and I believe this is the first time. 200 points. Holy smokes. This is the first time like it was like 50, 51, 52, 54, like 200 points. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's becoming ridiculous. And so now shooting a three-pointer is the thing. That's the cheat code uh, in the NBA. Stat, statisticians, mathematicians have kind of figured this out this is how you if you can get to certain percentage you'll always have the edge in the nba so they've kind of um not cheat code you want to call it they've kind of hacked the nba in a way <laughs> to like this is how you get over so now everybody has to shoot the three wow and um so damian litter won the three-point contest and then they also had this new contest um they got i can't think of the lady's name uh should have googled it but she's like the leader in three pointers for the WNBA. So they had is it Stefan and I can't think of her name, dude. This is bad. But anyhow, they had Stefan Curry and her like kind of have a contest against each other. The best shooters from their leagues go head to head, and uh, she shot pretty well. She's pretty legit, man. Uh, one of the best shooters in the WNBA. Shot from the NBA, um, from the NBA three pointer. They both shot from the three point, and so they had uh, five, ten, fifty. 20 15 to 25 balls and then there were like some bonus balls but she got to go first man she jacked up like 26 of those points i believe it was and it's like dang she's like made all almost all of those balls go in what's her name sabrina lone school sabrina so i think it was orlonescu l-o-n-e-s-c-u for whatever reason or maybe maybe that's an i maybe it's sabrina ionescu 
So like while this was going on, like right before they showed up, it said like Steph and Sabrina. I'm like, what is this? What kind of contest is this? And then they kind of explained like, yeah, this is the best three pointer from the WNBA, uh, best three point shooter from the NBA. They're going head to head in the contest. And so we know where this is kind of you know kind of coming from, far as like you know the women's sports and all that, because the WNBA has been struggling. It's it's one of those leagues where the women don't even support it, and so they need the NBA fans to support it to make this thing still viable and so they kind of find ways to try to figure out how to make this work so th- i think it was like it was cool it was cool to see her do her thing uh but i thought she had one that thing's like oh man that was she almost made all the balls go <laughs> you know hey. she was still shooting with the with a WNBA ball but from the nba three-point line and then steph goes on there and he's he's doing the same thing making them but like when he gets to that last rack he's kind of behind oh and but he whack, just putting them in and then the last ball is the money ball Smack 29. Boom. <laughs> Against what, 26. What, tw- tw- <laughs> it's like, dang. And so that was entertaining to see that. I was like, man, this ended up being pretty cool to watch the three-point contest. I wasn't really interested in the game so much or the dunk contest anymore. Now it's just about the three, hitting the three-point these days. That's what the game's evolved to. <laughs> and, and the main thing you enjoyed was a three-point shootout. Ain't that crazy? <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> Pretty funny That's what the games Evolved to man uh, Last thing I'll say From things watch I'm still working Through friends I'm on season 8 mm-hmm. So I am I am gonna Get through this Whole thing Amigos <laughs> uh, right. What else You been watching uh, True Detective Season 4 And also I started watching Curb Your Enthusiasm The final season Of Curb Your Enthusiasm okay. I'm, I'm several episodes in It doesn't quite uh, It doesn't quite Have the magic that uh, some of the other seasons have had, but mm. I'm hoping it's gonna get a little get a little funnier. But uh, yeah, the, the adventures of one Larry David. I can dig it. Um, and today's show is sponsored by Natural Hair, the movie by Grind Over Manor Films, available to stream on Tubi and Roku on demand as well as YouTube. Please check it out and leave a review. And now let's jump back into the show. Thank you for tuning in to Filmmaker Commentary. We're talking about Harlem Nights, directed and written by Eddie Murphy, produced by Eddie Murphy, acted in by Eddie Murphy. He was busy in this one. Yes, sir, he was. Um, And here's a quick synopsis. A nightclub owner, Sugar Ray, and his son, Quick, fight to keep a vicious mobster and corrupt police from putting them out of business. Harlem Nights, rated R. And if this is your first time listening to Filmmaker Commentary, please know that there will be spoilers. You've been forewarned. How did you, did you ever watch this film? And um, how did you watch it? And how did you watch it this time? Similar to the five heartbeats, I first saw this on video. Actually, it was during the summertime after fourth grade. So, you know, 89? No, summertime after second grade. Dang. Oh, no, 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 no. This was summertime. Oh. Hmm. No, it would have been summertime after fourth grade because we watched it on video. I'm, I'm thinking about when the movie was released. No, after it came out on video, fourth grade, summertime at my grandma's, they put on Harlem Nights. Mm. That's, when I, that's when I first watched it. 
Yeah, same. I remember. I don't think I don't recall watching the whole thing all the way through, but I do remember like certain parts, certain scenes. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, hmm, did I really watch this, or was I just kind of in passing, just kind of checking out, or just stopping? Like, oh, that's funny. Then moving on. No, I remember we actually actually watching it because I, I I remember Arsenio, the scene with Arsenio. <laughs> Quick. <laughs> <laughs> that, that still cracks me up, man. Arsenio, he uh, steals the show in that, in that scene. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Arsenio was great. He's, he's a treasure. Speaking of Arsenio, let me introduce some of the cast. Yes, indeed. Of Harlem Knights. Absolutely. So, as quick, we have one Eddie Murphy. As Sugar Ray, we have the late, great Richard Pryor. As Benny Wilson, yeah. we have the incomparable Red Fox. As Officer Sergeant Phil Cantone, we have Danny Aiello. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As Bugsy Calhoun, the ruthless gangster, we have one Michael Lerner. Okay. And you can kiss her entire foot. Yes. It's one Vera, played by Della Reese. Mm-hmm. We also see some other noticeable names. We have one in Dominique Leroux, played by the gorgeous Jasmine Guy. Oh, we Well, uh, any other names? Ah, okay. Simply known as the crying man. Quick! <laughs> we have one, Arsenio Hall. <laughs> the crying man. We also have one, uh, Tommy Smalls, played by the late, great Thomas Michael Ford. And... Hmm. You got Robin Harris. Yes, he plays Jerome. So there's a lot of names on here. Yeah. Uh, we also have Jimmy, played by Charlie Murphy. Yeah, that's right. And Charlie Murphy. Hmm. And yeah. then what's the name of the actress that played Sunshine? Aha. Uh-huh. She was also in Boomerang. She was. Her. She had the ha- Hammer Toes. Hammer Time. Good. Hammer Time on feet. <laughs> that is. Sunshine. Mm-hmm. Well, it's all good. Y'all know her name is Sunshine. <laughs> She's way down on this list. There's a lot of oh, that's messed up. That's messed up. Um, how did um this time around? How did how did you watch the film? I watched it on Blu-ray this go round, mm-hmm. and there are absolutely no special features. They oh. consider the trailer a special feature, which is son of a gun. A little bit of a disappointment. Like, yeah. Transfer good? Yeah, it was solid. It looked, it looked, looked great. It looked crisp. Yeah. Absolutely. How about you? How did, how did you? Prime. I just went to Prime, Amazon Prime, and just rented it. Because I was like looking for special features and commentary and stuff. I was like, oh, there's nothing out here. Yeah, I should have looked closer at the... I always try to, when I'm looking on Amazon, I always try to swipe to see if there's a, an image of the back of the... Mm-hmm. But I was kind of in a rush. I was like, ah, I was going to buy it. Yeah, man, it, it's one of those ones that deserves to have a commentary, but and more features. But for whatever reason, they just kind of like, ah. <laughs> we pretend like that didn't happen. But I mean, like, yeah, this is a, so honestly, it's a historical piece in a way. Mm. But um, any rate, um, what did you like or not like about the film? Uh, what I liked about the film was the cast. I mean, this is a, a great cast. This is it's historic. Because we have three generations of comedians. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Eddie Murphy, 
Richard Pryor, Red Fox, who all had impact on each other's careers, right? Mm -hmm. Richard Pryor grew up idolizing Red Fox. Eddie Murphy grew up idolizing Richard Pryor. So it was just incredible that to get all three of them together in one film is yeah, it's amazing. There's there's like mm-hmm. this, you know, this this sweet spot in the eighties where you 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 get moments like Harlem Nights or We Are the World where you 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 bring just get like the absolute best of the best together. Absolutely. I it reminds me like from a business standpoint, um, it just reminds me the characters in the film and the vibe of like a black Wall Street or like how it would have been to see like black folks around that time that are doing business. Um, then you also see like the burning down of businesses and all that stuff. It's like, oh, okay. You know, you're also dealing with vice. So kind of seeing from a vice standpoint, how they kind of conduct a business and handle business with their competitors and things like that. So just, inter- it, it, it's cool to see a, a different aspect of life for, um, for blacks. I like, I like the, the, the wardrobe, the outfits as a yeah. period piece, a period piece set in the twenties, Everybody's mm-hmm. looking so sharp, so dapper. Yeah. And the name of the actress that played Sunshine is Layla Roshan. Okay. Oh, wait. <laughs> uh, I think she's married to Antoine Fuqua, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, well, good job, sir. Um, I like. also like that there was, it was a good ending. Mm-hmm. How about that? That could have just been a non-happy ending, and then it just, it's all vicious and all hell broke loose, and, you know, no one survives. But ended up being a happy ending. I'm like, oh wow, you don't get to see those too often. Very it's, true. With that, without, without, I don't think any black people got. Well, no, one one black guy got shot. Tommy. Yeah, that's right. Then stabbed. Mm. So slit his throat. Yeah. Wow. Man. Thorough. Man. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, thought that was interesting. You don't get to see that. You don't get those. Happening. That's why I say the same thing with um, um, Five Heartbeats. It's like you end on a happy note, and then for the time, what you know? Why was it not successful? Do they want to see more? I don't know what they want to see. Too many of you survive. <laughs> yeah. And again, it's also kind of going back. I mean, we we don't know themes yet, but it just made me think about this. You know, in Five Heartbeats, you say you know it's, it's it's black men loving and supporting each other. Yeah. But this is just black people. Yeah. In general, loving and supporting each other. That's right. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, so there's no commentary or special features, but from a tone standpoint, um, you know, we see Harlem 1918. It's a, um, oh, before we see like any like sequence, any video or any, any film, <laughs> it's like these satin sheets, it's purple. And then all the credits are on this, on these satin sheets mm-hmm. as the background. Like, okay, this is a different, different, different vibe. Yeah, different vibe, very solid thing. And I think, I think they're playing. Are they playing Louis Armstrong's Drop Me, Drop Me Off in Harlem? I know that, they played it at the end. That was at the end. At the beginning, I was like, what song is this? So I played that because it, it's just an instrumental. Is it and by Duke Ellington or something? It's a song that says Jolly Mob Gang. That's the introduction. Like when I Shazammed it, Jolly Mob Gang. What what in, what um genre would you say that? Is that big band? Is that? Jazz. Yeah, it's jazz. Or like, or, yeah, it's jazz and big band. Yeah. Swing. So- so that music is playing and still elegant with the satin sheets in the background. We're seeing all the credits, Eddie Murphy over and over again. <laughs> A lot of jobs. Hey. And then um Working, Eddie Worker. Working. 
And then we fade to it's nighttime. We see a kid kind of running down the street. Streets are kind of wet. It's dark. Harlem, nineteen eighteen. Um, and then the that music is still playing. That music is still playing. A little jazz, the jazzy music is playing. And then we cut to the door. You know the the infamous door scene when there's like the eye slot. <laughs> like who is it? And you knock on the door. Who is it? And you, then it becomes like ominous, ominous music. Like. And so, like, that kind of, like, kind of breaks that up. It's like, okay, now we're entering into another world. And then, so when that, then we go on to discover this kid just killed this guy, and then it cuts to 20 years later. And so that's how we're introduced into, like, uh, this nice little elegant world to, like, oh, wait, this is something else is going on here. This ain't all going to be all jazzy music. So we're at the end of the 30s. Yeah. Interesting. So by the time they, once they get to the end of the film and they're leaving, like, it's like they're, they're, Potentially entering into a new, a new era. Yeah. When did prohibition end? Because one of the reasons why they'd be able to do what they did and have their speakeasies is because of prohibition. Come on, so, history so, so prevalent throughout that time. Indeed, um, you got got that going on. Did you have anything for tone? Uh, totally speaking, yeah, I said this is just a, this is an action comedy movie. It was like, a little more like comedy action. Mm-hmm. Uh, agreed. Um, from from a style standpoint, uh, prohibition ended in thirty three, so it would have been done. But these places kind of arose during that time and still were absolutely doing their thing. You um, from a from a style standpoint, I felt like uh, they Eddie Murphy kept it real classic and safe. You know, you know, we we're seeing cutaways, reaction shots. Let's edit that in. You know what I mean? I think there's a little bit of voiceover with Red Fox. Like some of the, some of the lines that you hear, they, they feel like they were done in post, like kind of added in, like just a little comedy. Yeah. You take your role. Get your vessel. Yeah, like, okay, that, I think that was ADR then. Yeah, or like maybe it was something from another scene, and let's use that line from that scene and put it in right here. Oh, yeah. They're in this downtime. But one of the things I, I put from a stylistic example, I, I, love, I love the way they light black skin yeah in this like it's you know even 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 when they're in the cars like when when quick's being chased by the the crying man mm -hmm. like the, everything is this, this the skin is all lit beautifully throughout yeah. like, absolutely okay okay come on dp do your job yes, sir um uh a theme so th thematically uh can you trust a criminal the mob boss says this yeah, I so said, yeah, I had that. I had don't trust a criminal, ah. or, or you can't trust a criminal because even that gets that gets brought up more so on Bugsy's side. Bugsy says it, and then Larue she says that to Quick when she's in bed with him, mm -hmm. right yeah. before they have their falling out. Yeah, yeah. I put a theme of again they they tie in black life with criminal life at least within the context of this film. Like mm -hmm. everybody is. You know, all the black people in there are, are, are in essence they're 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 criminals in terms of that they're like dealing they're, with vice. It's like it's the vice, it's the underworld. Yeah, and then a lot a lot of people are, but like you said, you know, evil. I mean, that's technically everybody. Everybody in this film, even the cop, is a criminal. So I couldn't just say it's black people. <laughs> yeah. It's all everybody in here is it's the is, underworld. Yeah, yeah, everybody is doing what they need to to survive. Absolutely. Um, I, I should have mentioned in things like. Um, but I know we mentioned this in a Beverly Hills cop and I can't remember which one it was. Maybe it was the first one, but, but we got to see the intelligence of the uh, Axel. It's Axel. Axel Foley. Um, 
we get to see his intelligence. And this film is also illustrated. His intelligence is illustrated by like he's discovering the gun um, under the pillow of the lady he's going to be sleeping with. And then he's like, he gets caught up in the emotion that, oh, this is so cute. She's just like me. And then he start, you can see his brain start putting it together like, oh. Mm. And then in the scene after that, you know, we go on to discover like, oh, this was kind of like a test. He set it up so it can be like a test to see if she really was going to follow through with this. And sure enough, she was. And we see the buildup. She keeps reaching for the gun, and we and we it cuts to her hand reaching and his hand, yeah, grabbing her arm, pulling it away, yeah. And then she goes for it a second time. And we cut to again, is him and grabbing her arm, pulling it away, yeah. And then finally, we see him put his hands behind his head, like he's literally opening himself up yeah. to her, pulling the gun on him, because mm-hmm. he knows, okay, she's gonna she's she's gonna follow through with this, yeah. and. You know, we keep getting that, I guess, them- thematically, business versus pleasure. Man. Because he asked her that multiple times. Is this business or is pleasure? And yeah. Like, oh, it's both. Yeah. Damn. Uh, finally, you know, it's business or personal. It's finally, he's like, yo, yo this is personal. Blah. Dang. Mm. Gotta love it. So, yeah, seeing the, like, um, a character be smart. And how, how does how does that kind of come about? So, I, just, I found that interesting in how Eddie Murphy puts that in his characters, making sure that they're smart. I had a theme of uh, getting out while you can. Ah. And that's what, I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. And Sugar Ray, he gets this idea pretty quick. Once, yeah. once, uh, once Cal, not Cal, what's his name? Uh, Cantone. Cantone. Once Cantone shows up at his house, mm-hmm. he already knows he, he needs to, have an exit strategy. <laughs> Absolutely. Have that extra strategy put in place. Tell his people about it. And, mm-hmm. and then a plan to, to make this extra bread on this fight and rob Calhoun in the process and and get out. It's pretty it's pretty smart. It is. Get out the game. Um also there's a theme of father and son. And we kind of see how Quick becomes an adopted son uh, to Sugar Ray. And then later on, he goes, you know, as he's an, he's an older man now, he's like, you know, I didn't want you to come this far just to prove that you're not a punk, you know, and going out and you just, just you know, with full of piss and vinegar, you know, uh, how, how guys do when they're in, uh, you know, their 20s and all. Uh, but I just found that, you know, that theme in there, father and son, pretty cool. Yeah, even like the theme of like just surrogate family because yeah. this this crew they do act like a family. They may fight like like family. Yeah. But at the end there's a love that's there, even between Vera and Quake, right? We yeah. get that one beautiful scene a little later on where after they've had their squabble, their fight yeah. earlier, and Quick apologizes and Vera just tells me, You get your your butt on blah 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 yeah. blah. You know, she's in in her talking the way she talks. But then we see her as she's making making those sandwiches. And, yeah. Sweet boy, you know she. We see that that tender side, which is exactly what Sugar Ray yeah. and um, Red Fox's character. She's a sweet lady. Yeah, Benny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly what they said. Like, yeah, she's sweet, and sure enough, like once you get past that exterior, yeah, she is. It, it's it's a cool moment. It's, yeah. it's well done. Kudos to Delarice. Delarice. Um, from uh, did you have any more anything left for themes? No, sir. Um, from a business standpoint, it made me uh, think going back to business and where it was streaming and stuff like that. This is on Paramount Plus, making you know, Paramount Plus making some dough. It's uh, well, it's one of their films, so you know, um, it's streaming there. It's also on Amazon, so that's transactional uh, VOD. So it's like it's one of those films that's 
you know, a classic. It's going to always pop, especially during Black History Month. Mm-hmm. You know, certain films always rise to the top. Same thing with holiday films and things like that. And so certain films people are going to be looking for during Black History Month. Yes, sir. And um, I just found, like, man, along with, like, Five Heartbeats, it's like, man, we're, Eddie Murphy's always going to be fine. But it makes me wonder, like, where were they, how would they position their business when they if they retain the rights to some of these titles they've done for these other studios or slash distributors if they were able to kind of hold on to their to their ownership will they not be doing so many money grabs you know what I mean like no more money grabs mm. <laughs> um, because like there is a hustle of if you know how to produce a film and you can raise the money for them the money that you make is going to be the budget of the film and so in this particular case, that $30 million goes to Eddie Murphy Productions, and from that, we'll disperse and we'll be doing That's how we've made our money. Uh, from then on, the rest is up to the distributor. And for, this came out, what, 89? All the way? 89. Here we are, how many years later? Um, and it's still making money. So, yeah, it just, it just, it's always interesting to see, from a business standpoint, how the studios run, how they run their properties. That's all. Um, what do you have any favorite scenes or memorable scenes? Got a couple. So the first one, of course, is the fight between Quick and Vera that happens in the alley, where initially Quick is just taking this thing lightly. He's he's, he's laughing about it because yeah. he's this he sees this older black woman wanting to fight him. Yeah, and he's thinking, okay, this is she's got to be kidding. Yeah, and watch she, out, she's a heavyweight. Mm. <laughs> and sure enough. They, they, they draw back and forth a little bit, and all of a mm-hmm. sudden, pop, the first little jab yeah, comes. Yeah, caught. And, and Eddie, Eddie is great at reacting. Yeah. His reactions to things, the, the kind of look of shock, like, well, she just she just hit me. Yeah. And then you know, he starts talking a little, little more mess, and then she starts swinging, and he, and he starts moving a little bit, and okay. And he's talking a little more trash. And then she, he gets popped a couple more times, pop, pop, tagged a few more times, yeah. and all of a sudden he gets serious, and he whop him. Hits her, hits her, hits her in the bread basket. Yep. (laughs) And then, and then Della Reese, like she, it's like she almost transformed. She's like, that's what I'm talking about. So, oh, and then we kind of see, once in reaction shot of Eddie's face, like, like, oh, oh, what's what's going on? Yeah. And he gets serious. Yeah. And then finally, just like the, the knockout combo, the pop, pop, pop. Uppercut in the air. The camera hit cuts to the reverse shot of him <laughs> flying in the air. Yeah, off his feet. <laughs> yeah, that, that's uh, really one. Then, of course, then he comes back and she's got the razor now and, and oh, he, he yeah. pulls out the pistol and bah, yeah. shoots off her pinky toe. That's the one everybody talks about, too. Just that scene in particular. Yeah. Oh, you want to hit people with trash? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the scene um, when. Eddie, um, was it quick has come out of the condo of Tommy mm-hmm. and turns out, you know, Tommy, we, he's been killed. He's been murdered by the mob for whatever reason. And Stealing. Then, so they say, you know, it, didn't it confirm if he did it or not? The guy who got his hand broken. Yeah, I already but, confirmed that somebody was stealing from him. Maybe they just paid. The, I think they assumed that he did it, but was it confirmed? It was like you know, it was short, but it was like you brought that guy in here, but it it wasn't really confirmed. If it wasn't, Tom was like, "Hey, man, I ain't steal nothing." Yeah, he seemed pretty adamant. Yeah, <laughs> so it was like, are we just doing it just because this guy yeah, is your guy, he was, black guy? Maybe he was just a scapegoat. Yeah, hmm. you know, because because at the end of the day, when you're that um, paranoid, uh, 
you just become like a psychopath. You know, people is like a, a easy solution is to start killing people. And then what ends up happening is just like, as we know, with organized crime, just a lot of people die. You know, it becomes not a thing. It just becomes a solution for everything. Once uh, you end up losing a lot of people when you do that, mm. uh, you live a trail. Um, but while Tommy's dead, uh, we discover it. Uh, Quick is leaving the um, the condo or apartment, and then that's when we're introduced to Arsenio Hall's character, which is Tommy's brother. And then he's let's kill that man, let's do it for Tommy. But it's like they discover like they discovering this happening. But it was just I, that's just a memorable scene. That whole like situation of him discovering Quick coming from his brother's apartment to now we got to kill this guy, and then that whole sequence becomes a big deal. It's just memorable quick ah <laughs> oh, man that gets me every time Arsenio's over the top just crying why are you crying why are you quit crying <laughs> uh, so for me the introduction of the heavyweight champion uh, Stan uh, of Jack Jenkins played mm-hmm. by Stan Shaw it, it, it's it's one of the best performances in the film because wow. he plays this the heavyweight boxing champion. He's got the swagger of a champion, yeah. but he has this huge speech impediment. And the way this guy yeah. play, plays it, again, no, no offense to anyone who may have a stutter, stuttering or stammering problem. Yeah. But this is played up, it's in the 80s. Yeah. It's of, of its time. But the way he, as an actor, portrays it is is pretty brilliant. Absolutely, because it comes off as if, um, or he has a little bit of a peach opinion because he can complete sentences. Um, so it was like, oh, is this a, a, a combination of a lisp and um, brain damage? You know, that, that's how it kind of comes off sometimes. He's like, oh, is he, got, is he dinged up and doesn't he have some brain damage? It's kind of hard, but then, you know, you see that he can get sentences out. So, I mean, he's it's, he has to slow down because yeah. if he tries to go too fast and you see, you can see, it. and that's the, the 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 brilliance in the performance is the 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 struggle of him trying to get the word <laughs> yeah. out, and then and then the way they cut you, like the reaction, like especially with Sugar Ray. Sugar Ray is like super patient. He's in these seasons, like I understand, yeah, you know, or, yeah, uh-huh. or, you know. And initially, if there's a, he makes a couple of a couple of kind of cracks about it, but it's it it just that that first introduction is is pretty funny, mm-hmm. pretty memorable. You're like, oh, okay. Absolutely, he did so well because uh, I watched it with my wife, and she was like, "Is he really like?" I was like, "No, he's just a good actor." Was, <laughs> he, he pulled it off. Yeah, um, punk <laughs> mother. <laughs> um, the intro. So when during the fight, when we get the introduction of the fighters, you know, super segregated. You know, we get the black fighter, everybody, and then. Er- Everybody's cheering. Da, 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 da. Uh, when it when it's the the white character, the white fighter, mm-hmm. every because it's it's mainly like white people in the actual arena, yeah. And so they're all like, yeah. But then when they introduce the black fighter, they all sit down like, <laughs> like robots. It's was, pretty brilliant how they stark. did that because it's, it's yeah, it's such a stark. You're like, oh oh wow, this place is. It's like disrespectful in the way they do it. Oh yeah, it, it's so quick, like. Oh wow! Okay, they're the black people that over there. Yeah, and it's segregated, obviously, as well. Yeah, because I was like, oh man, and it's like, yeah, they're not giving any, any, any love or support. No love. So I, I found that very interesting. Is like these fighters are like they are fighting wars for their people. Yeah, like you are, and then, and for the for the black fighter, that's like 
the few times when you can actually hit a white person without repercussion. Don't take his ass whooping personal. Personal. <laughs> and this guy's so he, he's he's laughing about it. Like, he knows he's about to tear Beat the this brakes dude off of yeah. So in all the frustration he had just experienced in the previous scene with officer officer, I'm sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> officer K- K- <laughs> with officer Cantone uh, or Dantone, no Cantone. Yep, Cantone. Who had just disrespected him in the previous scene yeah. at, at Sugar Ray's club? But he took that frustration out on this Irish fighter. Indeed, something fierce. Uh, another memorable scene for me is just again we kind of were talking about it a little bit earlier, but again with with the crying man, that whole scene when they start chasing after Quick, yeah, and just him weeping and ah, just <laughs> it's so. If you haven't seen that scene, you can yes. find it on YouTube. But it is hilarious. Arsenio Hall is so over the top. As a cry baby, oh, tears are coming down. Like I haven't seen anybody cry like that in a long time. Like. You're talking about kids, four years old, something like that, where the, it just keeps going on. It's like a whine. Weeping. <laughs> he, is, he is weeping for the loss of his brother. And and then when when Quick slams his brakes and then they break check, they, they, break they, check. they crash the back of him. Uh-huh. They've got their Tommy guns and all of a sudden one goes off and it's like, it shot up the roof like like the Tommy gun goes off. Quick brake checks them, shot shoots the roof and up. They accidentally shoot shoot the guy in the front passenger side, Junior. Yeah, man, you killed Junior. Shut up! It was an accident. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Junior. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it's just it it the scene is just so hilarious. And finally, they 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 get quick out of the car. Quick is, has jumped through the window of a of a local shop and he's. Yeah. Is taking cover, and they're just brrr, Tommy guns going off. And the driver, he's got one little pistol. And, he's, and after the Tommy gun fires, fires off, yeah. and then it stops in between the guy, the guy with the pistol. Sounds <laughs> a little two shots, gun. yeah. And it, just, and it just happens about three times. But the third time, the crying man's like, "Stop showing that!" Thing. He just <laughs> pissed off about it. Just <laughs> Arsenio is again. Quick cameo, but he steals the show. <laughs> he he does, does, he's, he's brilliant in it. <laughs> the only way you leave it here is shot. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end, Quick uh, pops up. It's three shots. Bah, bah, bah. Yeah, he's like, he goes oh, back he... in the cover. He said, then he waits. Yeah. Slowly his head comes up. All three guys are dead. Three, three shots. Three guys. Man. Three kill shots. And he kind of looks at his gun like, <laughs> he's pretty good with his gun as, oh, as we man. discovered earlier when he shot um, the adult when he was a little kid I mean he's always been a, a Sharp dead shooter. ringer yeah. no doubt but yeah that scene is that's, one, that's probably my favorite scene in the movie that's the one I, when I think of Harlem Nights that's the scene that comes to mind is that and, uh, yeah I think about that one in the Delary shot uh, scene that, mm. that's pretty much it uh, <laughs> I, got, I got a few more I'll just bring through real quick I'll, I'll mention ones we hadn't covered yet mm-hmm Oh, so here's one that I really do like. When, after Sugar Ray's gets raided by the police and they arrest all the patrons there, oh. and then when Ray shows up at the police offices and says, I'd like to, he gives him a list of all the names. Like, this is, you know, a hundred oh. and whatever, however, however many people. And, yeah, when I want to pay their bail. Yeah, and then the cop goes to the back to explain to the other cop buddies. Mm-hmm. And he was like, ah, he's probably a nut. Give him the price and I'll scare him away. And he was like, yeah, some colored, fancy colored guy. Mm-hmm. And he just they tells tells Sugar or tells Ray the the price, and he just grabs a wad of cash, throws at him like a little cheap prostitute. Give me a receipt. 
Because he expected it to be more. Exactly. And because he has this big old briefcase. Big just, briefcase. He just pulls out a small stack. Like, oh, this is easy. Yeah. Flexing. 7500 <laughs> Give me a receipt for that. And as everybody walks out, they all go into cars. There was little. And, sh- and Ray is, is shaking their hands. I'm sorry for the inconvenience. Yeah. It's just a cool, classy scene. That is classy, like, man. Wow. Favorite. And then later on, um, the character that Red Fox is playing, he was like, man, that was just so smooth the way you did it. Benny. His name Benny? Benny. So he's explaining like just how smooth that was, you know, to he's an inside everybody was in the limousine, you know, had the candy and the letter that said sorry for the inconvenience. Man, I love seeing stuff like that. <laughs> it was it's, it's quite it's, it's quite lovely. Quite yeah. lovely. That is yeah, that that's that's class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a good scene. Last two scenes I'll mention. So at the at the very end of the film, once the master plan of Ray is coming together and they finally got in crooked officer Cantone, he thinks he's ambushing them. Yeah. Because they go into this abandoned bank after they've just portrayed being police officers who tried to bust the guy who was taking the numbers to whatever location and, 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 and gets caught with sunshine and AKA lady heroin. <laughs> <laughs> but that he, he corners him at the bank, thinks he has men. He's like, what are you guys doing here? And then now suddenly he realizes that he's been ambushed. They get him inside the vault and they tell him, Oh, he'll be there a couple of days. Yeah. And it's, it's very small breaths. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And so, and so they close the vault door on him. He's sitting there and it waits a couple of beats and he's, he's sitting there and then also you see him go, <laughs> Wait a while longer and then find his other. It's surviving, man. Hilarious. It just got real, man. People, yeah. it's interesting to see people like talk a certain way, do a certain thing. Dude. When you get, you got a plan, like Mike Tyson say, till you get hit in the face. You yes, know, sir. everybody has a plan to get hit in the face. Uh, he just got hit in the face. Yes, he did. Uh, a scene that I do remember that's hilarious and sad at the same time is um, Sunshine has just turned out a guy, right? This dude's married. Com- <laughs> He's just, just Richie. A, Richie's just a regular moron. He's just doing his job, which is you know running the running the routes for the mob. He's hey, he's long as the job is what it is. He's not deedered. He's going to do his thing. But enter Sunshine, who has come into his world and is going to ruin everything for him. And she runs that game on him, turns him out, turns him out to the point to where he leaves. His, he calls his wife. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got I've got the quote. You got the quote, please. Yeah, tell the quote. Phone rings. Hey, so so let me speak to mommy. Mine picks up. Hey, Brabba, it's Richie. I'm never coming home again. Good luck. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> and his voice sounds kind of like Sylvester Stallone a little bit. <laughs> and he feels he feels good about this. Like he, he does. That's <laughs> he's like. Yeah, he's sitting on the edge of the bed, shaking his head. Like, yeah, I did the right thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Set up, dude. Set up. Oh man, he's just making all the wrong moves. So speaking of him, once he has now left the left the the scene after being rear-ended, and the police come, and he he finally takes the the delivery to Calhoun, mm-hmm. and he starts telling. And Calhoun opens up, and it's this bag of what what seems to be heroin. Yeah, he's like, oh, they grabbed the wrong bag, and and, and Calhoun's going off on him. He's like. You're telling me you lost a million dollars 
And when he says that, they cut to the to the guy that Calhoun originally, whose hand got busted up. Yeah. And that guy's looking on, and that guy slowly brings his hand in the frame that's that's bandaged up, and he looks at it, and he's like, guy, he's like, Mm-mm. like this guy's in, <laughs> yeah, like, this guy's in trouble. But just that guy's reaction, he brings his hand, and he's like, mm. yeah. And this guy, Isn't this guy's gonna if he did if he you know busted up my hand for you know I don't know thousand dollars or whatever. Yeah. This guy is in a world of trouble. But just that that guy's reaction is uh, is pretty funny. That is crazy. That's all I got for for the scenes. Okay. Tropes. Tropes. The gorgeous woman catches the main character's eye as she enters the room. Oh, yes, indeed. Uh, the high, uh, When uh, Quick is a little kid, when he goes to the door and we see the little slot, it opens up and it's just the eye being exposed. That's God. Just take your pick. Roger Rabbit is the most recent thing that comes to mind. Yes, sir. And it's a gorilla behind the. Great point. Ooga booga. Mm. <laughs> Jaws music playing that when danger's lurking. So after he knocks down Delarus and, and quick turns his back to her, yeah. and then when she stands up back in the frame, yeah. they're playing that. Oh, man. Um, I don't know when this image popped up, but they were playing chess. Somebody was playing chess. It was like red and white, and it made me think. That's Cal Calhoun was playing. He chess. was playing. It it made me think. I was like, okay, that's also a theme as well. That like this this whole strategy is about outsmarting their competition. Good point. And even I think even in general, like with organized crime gangsters playing chess mm-hmm. in a in a film is is a trope in of itself as well. Indeed. Keeping their minds sharp. Uh, I just say uh, uh, another th- trope is a crooked cop. <laughs> Got plenty of those. Yes, sir. Uh, when Quick dove into the glass and how easy it like broke. I'm like, nobody does it. Like, who makes the decision to just dive into a glass? I mean, and f- a forward dive <laughs> into the place. Like, if you didn't have enough clearance, no one does. This. You would. You would come down on some on glass get cut real up. glass doesn't give like that and you, <laughs> it, like that and if it breaks there's still shards there so you it all you get sliced up like this is bad well he was fully clogging this these guys were these guys dressed in layers all the time they're suited with a with a, a jacket and hat on top Bro. so a little bit of protection but oh. yeah yeah your, your, your clothes would have had some you jump through like a running jump it made me think of the five heartbeats when eddie jumped eddie. through the <laughs> Yeah, he jumped out of the window and did Eddie Murphy quick jumped into the window. Yes, sir. Uh, I just thought about that. No doubt. I had another trope of time lapse by candle. So when quick and, nice transition, and LaRue, yeah, when quick and Larue are, are making love, it, it pans over to some candles that are at you know these are like brand new candles burning. And all of a sudden, we see them just weather down to about mm-hmm. about the mm-hmm. halfway point, maybe yes. or so. Um, yeah, and so yeah, candle time lapse. Um, you talked about us earlier about the speech impediment, but that was just a thing. I'm trying to remember of another comedy that comes to mind uh, with the speech impediment. I don't know if it was Martin in what movie was that? Um, uh, Thin Line Between Love and Hate. There was a guy with a speech impediment in that film. Oh, there's another one also I'm trying to think of that we've we may have covered. Um, it, New Jack, but um. New Jack City. New Jack City. Uh, not Chris Tucker. But, but, not Chris but, Rock, I mean. Da-da-da, da da man. Oh, man. It got popped. Is that the one that got shot? 
Maybe a lot of people die in that movie, but Dang. but it, but he has his his, his his name kind of implies that uh, yeah. I mean maybe like da 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 man or something like that. I remember, but you know you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, that guy, New Jack Swang. Mm. Uh, what um what were we at? We were talking about tropes. Tropes. Um, I said the the big heist. The big heist, indeed. Um, th- uh, throw is one of my last ones, but throw the fight. Everybody thinks you're going to throw the fight. But the fight is not thrown. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Got you, suckers. The fix is in. Yeah. So, like, it was supposed to be fixed, and we all assume that's what's about to happen. But he doesn't want to go along with it. And uh, they end up winning in the fight and money. And so, because we also, we also assume that it's going to happen, too. What, I mean, the, the fight being fixed? Yeah, that he was going to th- kind of throw throw the fight. I didn't. They, he, they, they explained that that we're, we're making them think that. And Oh, it's a win-win. That's what Ray was talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. Because they're going to just—they're going to take. They're stealing. Uh, they're stealing the game, right. regardless. That's, that's right. the whole point. Either way, we're taking. We're taking it all the matter. money. It doesn't matter. beat the brakes off of them. Yeah, we know exactly where the money's going to go. That's the money we're stealing. Crazy. And yeah. so it made me think of um, Pulp Fiction uh, or Bruce Willis. Yes, you know, sir. He was supposed to go. Yo, butt goes down in the. Mm-hmm. And he does not do that and decides to cash out and gamble and all that. Uh, another film is Brad Pitt and uh, he, he's playing a piker, a drunk piker, uh, Gypsy, Gypsy Piker. What's the name? It's a gangster movie as well. It's another gangster movie. It's interesting, though, when you throw the fight, but don't throw the fight. It is uh, Snatch. The movie's called Snatch. Snatch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that happens. And he's a bare knuckle boxer. He's supposed to throw the fight. Yeah. (laughs) Ends up not doing it. And people are tripping because it's against the mafia. The mafia tells him what to do. He still doesn't do it. Mm. And um, um, that 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 was a great scene. But anyhow, those movies pop up about throw the fight, night throw the fight. Huh. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Got any quotes? Just a few quotes. Okay. So, uh, after Quick shoots, at the very beginning of the film, after Quick shoots the guy in the head, yeah. Ray looks at the guy and is like, I guess he does have bad luck with kids. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> like, that's the sound card. I said to back up and set the scene up. There's this guy. Once Quick shows up to give Ray his cigarettes, there's a guy there waiting to roll some dice. Yeah, he has no teeth, snackle tooth. Yeah, his front two teeth are gone, and he's big and he's mean. He's like, "Get this kid out of here! I got bad luck with kids." And he's 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 cursing and he's talking. Like, I all can't this. stand a little bastard. No man, he is <laughs> pissed that a kid is there, and he does this whole thing, and he even gets to a point where he actually pulls out a blade and and, and is threatening to to stick. Ray and everybody, yeah. I'll stick you. I'll stick your little kid. I'll stick. It. He's, he's threatening to stick everybody. And finally, quick headshot. All we see is is, uh, is the man with the snag of tooth, his head's in the frame, and then a hole appears in his head. You're like, what happened? Cut to kid with gun smoking. That's right. As he hits the ground, we we cut to Ray and he says, I guess he does have bad luck with kids. (laughs) It's the beautiful delivery. Damn. I guess. Yeah. And, and and kind of continuing with this scene, um, he's asking about Quick. He was just like, "So, I mean, I'm all right. I just take the kid to his kid, you know, to his parents or whatever. I don't have no dad. Uh, I don't have no mom." He was like, "My mom is dead. <laughs> My daddy's dead." He said, "Did you kill, you kill him? him? <laughs> no, they just <laughs> dead." <laughs> yeah, the delivery again is is great, man. Richard Pryor, he's timing, man. Just. 
at this point, he's a seasoned actor and yeah. knows how to deliver. Absolutely. And that kid is a kid from Boys in the Hood. It mm. shot. And he's, he's actually the son of the guy that you broke my nose, man. Oh, really? That's his son. He, he's, he's actually called the second. Is, uh, oh, that's what's the name? Miguel? That's Miguel's son? Yeah, Miguel A. Nunez Jr. That's the kid. Wow, I didn't know. Oh, that no. Was... Well, Miguel. Okay, so no, Miguel's the one his nose broke. That's yeah, Miguel. He's, he's junior. Okay, maybe make sure I'm reading this. Well, right. he's not junior. He's the guy next to Arsenio uh, Hall's character. Yeah, but his but his real name is Miguel A. Nunez Jr. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, the, my, I'm to, I'm totally wrong. The kid, the little kid's name is Desi Arnaz Hines the second. Oh, Desi Arnaz. Yeah, I'm confused. Yeah, so no, he's not his son. But the, yeah, the kid, okay. young, young, I didn't even know Miguel had kids, so I was like, mm. yeah, young, young, quick is played by Desi Arnaz Hines the second. So who's his dad? Was his dad in the movie? No, forget, oh. forget I said his dad. But, oh. he, but he is the kid from Boys in the Hood. Got it. Hines. I wonder if he's related to Gregory Hines. Mm. Oh, I didn't get you. No, it's spelled differently. Um. <laughs> So, so with the introduction, so we're we're in the club. This is you know we see Quick. He's hanging out with uh, with Sugar Ray. They're in the club having a good time, and that's when we're introduced to Jasmine guy. Who what's her name again? Larue, something something fancy. Um, and she's joined. We see uh, Tommy. Is Tommy who else is next to her? I don't know. I think it was another guy that was next to her. She's being escorted by Tommy. It's it's, it's Miguel Nunes. Miguel is Miguel. Okay. Yeah, man with they call him the man with the broken nose. The man with the broken nose. So they're both escorting uh, Jasmine guy around, and uh, Eddie Murphy goes over there. Dominique Larue. Oh, Dominique Larue. And so he goes to see what's going on. He's like, "Hey guys, y'all need any help with anything?" And then Tommy's like, "No, not at all, Mister Quick." <laughs> We just joined the night. So every time he says quick or Mr. Quick, he does that little laugh. Mm. Nah, we good, Mr. Quick. Ah, ah. <laughs> uh, my other quote comes from comes from Richie, our, our, our favorite dummy. Uh-huh. So after the police have already shown up both Sugar, Ray, and Quick, and then the other police officers, and they've, you know, take, taken taken the the items out of his car. He he turned and they, and, and they say that he's been with, he's there with Lady Heroin. Oh God! And then he's like, "You should have told me your last name was Heroin. <laughs> Just because it's your last name is Heroin doesn't mean you have to go around selling it." <laughs> <laughs> he's a dummy. A big dummy. Oh man, just his yeah. <laughs> that 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 guy's delivery is <laughs> it cracks me up. When uh Vera, 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 uh, her and Quick are fighting, and then it's like, oh, you want to hit people with garbage cans? Mm. And then uh, when she takes out the razor, because he after he did that, she takes out the razor. Now I gotta cut you. Mm. And then he pulls out his pistol. Oh, now you want to shoot people? <laughs> and then he's like, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not playing with y'all. We'll shoot that raggedy pinky toe off. No crusted. We'll, we'll go ahead and shoot it. And then he looks at everybody. They like they do the shrug. I don't, I don't know. Pow! Shoots that pinky toe. Cut to she's mad. Oh, sugar! And you know she's getting uh, 
rush to the ambulance and then you see Robin Heron's to all the guys the same ones that show like I don't know now you see them coming out of there and they all laughing they like oh man you ain't have to do that and then like Quick is like mad I said man why y'all laugh at the wrong shit <laughs> you know mm. it was just funny the way he said <laughs> he's like y'all oh man that's all the quotes that I had my friend oh man okay uh, okay 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 it's not how many people you shoot it's who you shoot, yeah, you and know. that's a line from Quick, because um, he's he's adamant about you know getting at the uh, at the mob boss there. Um, it was interesting when uh, when what's the name of the mob the the mafia guy that's tr- that's running things Calhoun Calhoun he's trying to recruit Quick, and he's like you know kind of like just hey man I'm I can use just like he's using Larue. You know, he wants to use him. He was just like, hey, you know your people, man. So you will be, you know, you'll be good fit for me. So it's almost like you ain't really got no choice. You're going to work for me. Exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm taking out your your dad's business. And yeah, you got to come work for me. Um, when Sugar Ray, he's talking to the sergeant who decides to let himself into his house. And this is our first time seeing the sergeant. Canton. Sergeant Canton was the first time meeting this guy. And so him and. Uh, Sugar Ray are having you know their exchange and you can kind of see like Canton is like oh man this is a nice house mm-hmm. and you know man that's a nice, nice suit. suit you got on he's like well you know I, I can give you the number to my tailor if you and you know I can give you his number and he's like he's like nah get mine off the rack and he's like nah get out of here but they fit, fit you so, so well. well I was like dang Sugar Ray he's like it's funny it's funny yeah. they fit me so well huh? <laughs> <laughs> um oh my god <laughs> when our, uh, this is Arsenio quick uh what, what is Arsenio what's the name again he's playing the crying man that's the name the crying man that's it that is funny so he's a crying man he's in the back <laughs> he's in the back seat disclaimer language uh he said <laughs> he messed with the wrong biggest brother <laughs> quick as mine and then he starts crying again. Mm. <laughs> uh, it's hilarious. It is hilarious. Uh, when uh, when Sugar Ray is explaining to Quick, you know, what cool is and what is. He said, man, when you're 89, you got children and grandchildren around you and around your bed. That's cool. You know, then he goes on to explain what cool is not. And that is, you know, dying early just to prove that you're not a punk. Just thought that was a powerful line. Yes, sir. Uh, um... And man, I noticed that they say like jigs a lot. You know, the, I think oh, I, I've never seen. I I don't think I've heard that in any other films. Have you heard that any that slur in any other films? Um, yes, and I'd say with films that were kind of deal around the time. I'm I'm assuming it's short for Jigaboo. Yeah, that's what I'm assuming. Assuming as well. He's you know because they kept saying jigs over. They say that. They I'm say like, they say yeah. A lot. Yeah, I'm tired of playing with you jigs. Should I be offended? I don't know. Anyhow, do you have any questions for our filmmakers? I do have a question. It's it's actually aimed specifically at uh, one particular actor, one uh, the late uh, Thomas Michael Ford. Yeah, who R. played who, who played Tommy Smalls? Tommy and Tommy and Martin. What I'm very curious is how he he ends up having his first name on all of his characters. Uh, that's pretty cool. He's, he's Tommy in in Harlem Nights. Yeah, he's Tommy on Martin. Yeah. How do you pull that off, sir? I don't know. That's that's fascinating yeah. to me. 
Yeah, he, he did pull it off. I remember um, Will Smith was talking about that on Fresh Prince, mm. and they were saying that he played a drug dealer or something like that, or or maybe it's another movie where he plays it. There's a movie where he plays like Will a, Smith. No, where Tommy he played where oh. he plays a drug dealer. I haven't looked into it further, but I, I remember in TV they were saying, uh, especially with Will Smith, making sure that your character is your name because that's people are only going to remember from your name. So every so it was like, oh, that's Will, you know, but. Versus when we see uh, Carlton, you know, everybody calls uh, what's his real Alfonso name? Alfonso Roberto. Alfonso Roberto is like, yeah, it doesn't really go with the family, so you know, that's Carlton. Yeah, you know I mean, and, that and, was that was his name was kind of was unique. Yeah, like, oh, Alfonso Roberto. Huh. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, been around I for a while. Now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so I think it's interesting. trivia. All right, trivia's gonna go nice and quick. Pun intended. Yeah, very good, very good. So, Harlem Nights, the screenplay, is based on Eddie's actual Uncle Ray. Uncle Ray, yep. Oh, I thought you were going to add more to it. He's he's in the movie. He's actually in the movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, I watched like a quick interview, and that dude's a mess. But you saw that? Yeah. (laughs) He was like, this dude is wild. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but he was saying like it was uh, based on like some of the mob stories of Don, I think it was Donnie Brasco. It was one right. Of the mob he mentioned guys. that. Yeah, but he had his own his own bar. Yeah, he had his own club. Like just I won't say just like this one, but it that's where the stories kind of came from. And he's like, man, it's like my nephew has immortalized me in this way. I can I can like exactly. see no better gift than that. Yes, sir. Now there's also some controversy around the script. There's a guy who had written some some specs for either for Paramount or for, for, for Eddie and even maybe for Richard Pryor. Really? Yeah. He had written a script that's, that starts off similarly with a kid going to a, a mob boss to give him cigarettes something like that. Mm. And, uh, the guy eventually ended up suing Eddie Murphy and then there was it kind of, it was a, a settlement or whatever out, mm-hmm. out of court. But I was like, huh, Interesting. It is interesting. Also, Eddie, you know, we asked why, you know, the, why maybe the film didn't, didn't go as well. Eddie later on admitted that when he was working on Harlem Nights, that he, he this, you know, he's like at the height of his, his, his fame at this point. All the success previously is his first film he's directed. He's got mm-hmm. an album out at the time as well. Doing a lot. He is, he is doing a, a whole lot. Um, and, he said he, he admits that you know he had you know, one foot in the club and then one foot in directing and that he could have put more into directing. But he also he said I, there's, I watched an uh, interview of him on Arsenio Hall. Yeah, I watched two of those. Man, was it one like like twenty nine minutes long? Like there was one he has like a gray suit on, and then there's another one where he has a black with red arms. When Michael, when Michael Jackson comes out, yeah, I was like Michael, what, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I know it was like an alternate universe or something. It's like, yeah, I was like, this is this is a lot of black star power in one place. Yeah, I was like, man, you can't have like people, two brothers, like that with that much energy around them. Like, man, one of these guys got to be safe. We can't be together. Yeah, for real, for real. <laughs> it was like Prince and, and Michael. Sorry, this is one shit. at a time. Yeah, for real. That's, that's a lot of. Like, like, <laughs> I audience didn't know like what to do. It's like, man, that's wild. Anyway, but but he Eddie freely admits that he did not enjoy directing as much as he yeah thought he would, and yeah, so he kind of. Let it go, but also um, Eddie didn't know that Richard Pryor was was sick with multiple sclerosis, oh. and you could honestly, 
I know, know, know that Richard you know passed passed away from the disease, but you could all, I I could see a difference mm-hmm. in his performance in this film, even like the way his eyes look and some mm-hmm. of his movements. That that something was already going on. Yeah, with with Richard because they said he would go, he would shoot his scenes, and then he would he would kind of leave leave this leave the set. Dang. So, but. Eddie had hoped that there'd be more collaboration with Richard because this is again this is his his idol. Yeah, and he'd hoped there'd be more of more of that collaboration. But Richard was you know Richard was sick oh, and Eddie on his way out, man. Yeah, it's, Eddie Eddie did not know. So that's that's a little sad. Yeah, and psycho life, man. Is you know you grasp the moment. Mm-hmm. It was funny when he was explaining like directing and he was just like, he was like people coming to me he was like Eddie, what do you want me to put the um, what do you want to put the cushion? What do you want? To, yeah, I don't, I don't care. About I don't the care about the cushion. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's the art direction. That's the art department. Exactly. <laughs> you don't like that kind of stuff? Like, yeah. Oh, man, that's funny. That is a bother. And he joked around and said, I think Arsino asked him at one point in the interview, so what What? What sparked you to come up with the idea for Hall Nine? He goes, well, my accountant came up to me and said, you almost had the money. I was like, I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> Let me write the script. <laughs> Three weeks later, you had the script. That's messed up. That's funny. But ain't okay. that real, though? Like, you know, write the script, and then because of his star power, here's $30 million. But again, he already had, and he already had that deal. Like, okay, this deal's gonna, you yeah, got, you know, you got X amount of uh, films. Mm-hmm. So that's very interesting. But you know, it's so it, so money uh, grabs. But the funny thing is that even monetarily, the, theatrically, mm-hmm. even though the film didn't make mm-hmm. as much money as it as it as it could have, quote unquote, could have, right? It's it still has, you know, it has these legs, right? It's, it's a cultural touchstone. Like Eddie, Eddie Murphy in the eighties gave us some of our, our best in also my kind of enduring films. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so, it's so interesting to see. And the fact that he was able to do this and have, you know, this, this cavalcade of, of, of talent that, I mean, Red Fox lived, a, lived a, a pretty full life, but just a number of these guys, just kind of passed away too soon. When you look, when you look at that, you know, from from Richard Pryor to right. Charlie Murphy Robin to Harris. to Robin Harris, you're like, mm-hmm. what? These guys pass away just way too soon. Now I was trying to look up some um, some finances for. So we said it was thirty million, right? Mm-hmm, thirty million, and said it grossed. It says on IMDb, it says sixty one million. I think I saw somewhere. Where someone mentioned like 70, 71 million. So on this one, on the numbers.com, mm-hmm. you got domestic at 60, then you got international at 35. So it'll be worldwide at 95. Mm. But still for, you know, you know, for Eddie Murphy and all that, 95 is better than 60. Uh, yes. <laughs> but, but, you know, hundreds, you know, are kind of expected uh, from his Yeah, especially power. with this, with this cast. I mean, this is a, you got again. You got Richard Pryor in the mix and Red Fox. It's like, what? come on. And you're coming off coming to America, but maybe this was kind of a slowing down moment for for Eddie getting into the into the night or the early part of the nineties. Because yes. you have you know that many string of hits. It's it's an it's the law of averages. I think you're gonna you're gonna eventually hit a a a road bump or two. Mm-hmm. But then but then he kind of comes back in the nineties. He's got. No boomerang. I just think it was just um, from a film, from a like genre. Um, people just went, didn't want to see it. <laughs> you know, it just hits a different audience and want to see that. You know, I wonder if there's something to that with like P 
period pieces because five heartbeats is somewhat of the same thing. You yeah. know, it's a period piece as well. Mm-hmm. Some people said, I saw in one interview that they said maybe it was, it got, especially once the, once the violence happened with the shooting in Michigan at the theater. Some people said, oh, you know, maybe it's the, the violence in the film, but lethal weapon, came, lethal weapon came out the same year and has way more violence than this does. Yeah. So I was like, eh, no. Now yeah. I think now, I'm, trying, I'm trying to. It was one of the actresses that was in the film was was speaking. I think was it Jasmine. Guy? So they saying the violence in the movie or violence in that theater where in someone was shooting. Okay. Yeah. Oh no. One, please. That violence spreading. Like, yeah, nah, that's that's nah. It's not a good. Lethal Weapon has way more violence than than like, this does. When I when I think about this film, I think it's a good like certain parts of it like good set pieces, but overall classic. Maybe not, you know, mm-hmm. but as far as like nostalgic and like seeing all these people together and like, oh man, this is it's really good. I've got another bit of trivia mm-hmm. speaking to that. So the F, F-bombs, the F-word is used about 133 times. Wow. In this Someone film. counted that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Miguel Nunez was originally playing Arsenio Hall's character, the crying man. And turns out Arsenio, Arsenio Hall came that night. So the night that he shot, that's the night that he he showed up and wow. played the character. Took took his took his part. <laughs> yeah. And so, but Miguel Nunez has been around forever. Everybody knows him. He parties with everybody, and he was just kind of like you know. And he said the guy that was shooting the gun, he was he was like part of the cast. He wasn't. I mean, part of the crew. He wasn't mm-hmm. even supposed to be in on the screen there. Huh. And so he said, that's the genius behind Eddie Murphy. He said, there's Eddie Murphy's probably one of the smartest people I've ever met behind this other doctor. He's like, there's this doctor. Eddie Murphy's like right under this, the smartest people ever. Mm. And uh, he said like things like that, like orchestrating those people, putting them together real quick. You know, that that's the, the day of, it was only supposed to be that one person to cry, man. I, man, I, I can see that Eddie is, he's quick on his feet. You can even see again when he's, you know, being in, younger Eddie when being interviewed, just how he comes up with stuff, kind of on the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, Eddie Murphy helped create the TV show called The Royal Family with Red Fox and Della Reese. I heard her mention that in an uh-huh. interview. I was like, "What is that?" I have no I was, idea. I've, I've seen never the show seen like it. maybe once. It was a long time ago. Um, but I, don't, I wasn't like a fan of the of the. But I, I, it's in my memory. <laughs> I. The name doesn't <laughs> ring a bell at all. Uh, so, yeah. So, apparently, um, while um, Delores and Red Fox are going at it as their characters, cussing each other out, call, doing all kinds of stuff, uh, Eddie Murphy's just dying, laughing on the floor. He's like, man, I'm going to come up with something. And then turns out that it's, that's when he, he came up with that TV show for them. Interesting. During, during a lunch break. Hmm. I didn't know what it was. She said she mentioned Royal Family. I was like, "What is, is that? A, yeah, is that a, a sitcom?" I didn't realize it. Hmm. Okay, uh, you got any other trivia? That's it. That's all I have. Uh, I've got just two. Oh, well, I guess we'll let you cue it up for tips. Now it's time for filmmaker tips. What you got? Write what you know. Boom. Again, we said that Eddie based this screenplay off of his uncle's life, and then lastly, directing is not always fun. Not at all. Sometimes you are going to be faced with minuscule, I won't say minuscule, but decisions or choices, questions that seem like minor details that may need to be handled by another department. And so you you have to be able to delegate as well. I would also add just like when you're Kurt, 
gifted and cursed with a lot of creativity. I mean, Eddie Murphy, he'll go on stage, he can crack jokes, he can direct, he can produce, he can write, he can sing, he can, he has just a lot of interest. Um, I, I heard uh, a quote from our friend, um, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. And I, I was talking to a, uh, a colleague earlier today, um, same similar you know being creative and and wanting to do everything have an interest in everything but i mean what are you going to devote your 10 10,000 hours to you know it, it can't go everywhere then as older you get as you know start acquiring family members things like that he's like you got to be real specific what you do with your time sometimes and, you got you got to say no got to say no and then just be yeah you got to say no and then just be intentional about okay what am i doing here am i it was my goal to be a better producer a better director, a better actor. What 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 is my purpose? You know, because when you spread thin like that, it's hard to kind to uh, be good at it all. That's true. That is true. Sometimes you got to simplify, man. Uh, but at any rate, that's all I have. Um, what are we watching next time? Next time we are going with another period piece. Oh. We're going to take you further back into the Civil War. Dun, dun, dun. As we dive into glory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. We shall see. <laughs> and uh, where can they catch us at? Facebook.com forward slash filmmaker commentary. We're on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud and Spotify. Please check us out and leave a review. You can also find us on Twitter. He is at Reggie Titus. I'm at KCG Smith 32. We're also on the gram at Filmmaker Commentary. He is at Reginald Titus Jr. I'm at KCG Smith 32. Until next time. Peace. Respect. Respect.